So today, what we're going to do is we're going to continue our series of messages on CrossFit. Let me tell you what I was doing Friday night. Anybody interested in what I was doing Friday night at 9.30? Sure you are. Say, yeah, what were you doing? Let me tell you what my wife was doing. She was watching another Hallmark movie and crying. Okay, that's what, that's what she was doing. She's not feeling well today. She's at home. Hey, dear, I'm talking about you. And so she's uh, watching a Hallmark movie, and our German shepherd dog, 92 pounds of her, just sits right there with her. And I'm, I'm, in, my, I'm in my bed, and I'm, I'm just I'm praying for this moment right now. He said, man, you live a boring life, brother. I'm a Friday night. What, what in the world? Well, this is my life. I don't know if y'all know that. This, this is my life. This is, this is who I am as, as a preacher of the Word of God. And I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'm praying, and I totally changed the entire introduction to the sermon. I have a manuscript, and uh, Felix Daly, I think you get this manuscript. Don't look at the first page. But it's, it's all changed. All right? I changed the whole thing Friday night because I felt the Holy Spirit prompting me to ask this question. What is it that you hope will happen during church on Sunday morning? And then it's like the Lord just was speaking to me, and I, in my heart, I was just pouring my heart out to God as I'm praying for you, and I'm praying about this text. There were three things I felt just distinctly to pray for. Number one is that you would connect with God this morning through the text, through the Word of God. So that when we read this Bible passage in a moment, it would not just be history or literature, but it would be what it is, the dynamic, living, powerful Word of God, okay? So you'll connect with it as you read it. And by the way, the story that we're going to look at today is so incredible. I hope you've caught the theme today, minus the video, that the theme is story today, telling our story and great things that God has done. So number one, you'd connect with the Scripture. Number two, that, ooh, listen to this that you would meet Jesus today. Some of you would meet him for the very first time, and others would meet him afresh and anew. And so when you teach the Word of God, and when we gather together in a public arena like this in a church, and we're praising the Lord, I'm just praying that as God is being praised, that he reveals his Son to you, and that you are drawn to him. Now listen, some of you for the very first time, for the very first time, this October 23rd, 2016, that you would meet Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, whether you're watching us on television or whether you're listening to us on the internet, live stream, live in person, whatever it is, you meet Jesus Christ personally. And then the last thing, as I was praying Friday night, I don't know why, I just felt impressed to pray for you and for me to take a stand, okay? To take a stand. Take a stand for Jesus for righteousness, for our country, for us as the people of God, till we be emboldened by the Spirit of God, that we would take a stand and people would know that we are followers of Jesus Christ. Listen to this, by what we say and the way we conduct our lives, okay? So you've been prayed over, and that's my new introduction. Now I'm ready to get into this text, John chapter 9. Would you open your Bibles, please, and turn to John chapter 9. This is a wonderful passage of Scripture. We're in the midst of uh, cross, fit, and today is the first S. The C stands for the cross, the R stands for redemption, O, O stands for others that we looked at last week, and the first S in cross is our story, okay? Next S, next week will be salvation, but today I want you to, to engage with me and, and look at this story of John chapter 9 where Jesus Christ meets a man born blind, congenital blindness, 
And I just want you to, as I read it, I just want you to dive in, like off the diving board, and just dive into the pool, the fresh pool of God's Word, and just soak it up, and that the Spirit of God would really speak to you and draw you into this text. And here, here's what's going on in this story. This is not a parable, okay? Last time we looked at a parabolic saying of Jesus Christ about the parable of the Good Samaritan. This is a narrative. This is a true narrative story that happened near the pool of Siloam nearly 2,000 years ago when Jesus Christ is walking on this earth and he sees a man that is born blind. And by the way, those are the two main characters. If we're looking at it through the lens of a plot or a uh, drama or a story, then, then what I'd like for you to do is look at it as, as various scenes. And I'm going to try to walk you through the scenes of this text. For example, the initiative is scene number one, when Jesus Christ takes the initiative to go to the man born blind. Scene number two will be the interrogation of the religious, the, the religious people. They're going to interrogate the man. They're going to interrogate his parents. They're going to even interrogate Jesus, though Jesus is not standing before them to defend himself. And then finally, the third plot or the third drama will be the intervention of God, the intervention of God on this man's life. So as we walk through the text today, think of it like this. There are, there are main characters. That would be Jesus and the man born blind. And then there are supporting characters or supporting actors in this divine true drama. Some of the supporting actors would be the disciples, okay, who are confused the disciples have some bad theology at this point. We're going to look at that, and Jesus Christ is going to correct them. There are some other supporting actors, and they're known as the Pharisees. Are they the religious group in the day? And they are the ones that give Jesus the most absolute difficult time every time you see these rascals. Almost every time, except for Nicodemus. Every time you see them, they're always fault-finding, nitpicky, argumentative, and upset because Jesus Christ is not doing what they think he ought to do. For example, they think that Jesus should have never healed this man because it was the Sabbath. Now, what kind of truncated, twisted thinking is that? No, 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 don't, don't, Jesus. Don't help that man because this is the Sabbath and it's holy. Now, I'll go get my donkey, you know, out of the ditch or I'll go do something other. But Jesus, you can't do that. Don't help that man. And so here you have this divine drama. You have the main actors, Jesus and the blind man. Then you got the supporting cast. So we're going to get into the text. Y'all ready? You've been prayed for, okay? I'm praying for you. That God opens up your heart, opens up your mind, and that you would engage in this text today and take a stand for Him. Now, as Jesus passed by, He saw a man. Now, this is the initiative. Jesus sees the man who was born blind. And his disciples asked him, and they said, Rabbi, who sinned? <laughs> like, really? Uh, yeah, yeah, who sinned? This man, or did his parents, just hold it right there for just a second, that he was born blind. Now, they think in some prenatal, pre-embryonic form, that guy in his mother's womb must have done something because they said, did he sin? You know, did, did, he, did he do this because he was born blind, right? Or did his parents sin? Oh, that's what it is. If it's not the little baby, you know, there in, in, in the womb, then surely his parents did something and God is punishing him and, and making him blind from birth. And Jesus said, no, you're wrong on both accounts. 
We live in a fallen world, and there are just things that enter into this world that are difficult, that are painful, and it's just part of living in this depraved world in which we live. But you can't pinpoint that this man in some prenatal form or his parents did some egregious sin so that, so that God would punish him with blindness. No, Jesus said, look at this. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him, and Jesus is about to take the initiative to reveal the works of God, okay, in him. And Jesus said, I must. I love that word, must. It's the Greek word, if you're writing, take some notes in your margin of your Bible. It's the word D-E-I. And that word, when Jesus said in John 3, you must be born again, the word literally means to be under such constraint. It, It means to be obligated to a point that you have to act, you have to speak, you have to do something. And Jesus said, that's me, guys. I am compelled by my Father to take the initiative and engage this dark world and open blinded eyes and preach the good news that I have come. And he said, and I'm doing this, by the way, for him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming and no one can work. Jesus is saying, not even me can work because I'm going to be crucified and die, and I'm going to leave you guys. And so I'm not going to be on this earth forever with you. I'm going to leave you, and as long as I am here, I've got to be about my Father's business. I've got to be doing what He's called me to do, and so should we. I mean, there's coming a day, guys, all of us are going to experience the night and the sleep of death, meaning our lives will cease Our lives will be over in this world. Now, to be absent in this body means to be present with the Lord if you're a Christian, which is awesome. But think about it. The night is coming. And none of us can work because we won't be here. Do you sense that urgency? Do you sense that divine initiative springing up within you to say, yeah, if I'm going to tell my story, I better get busy doing it. Or if I'm going to help my neighbor, I better get after it because who knows, maybe even today, I will depart this life and enter into the presence of God. Jesus says, as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. Verse 6, when he had said these things, ooh, he spat. Y'all know what that means. Spit on the ground. He spit on the ground and he took some dirt, and he, and he made some clay with the saliva. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. Now, Jesus takes all the initiative, right? He spits on the ground. He, he makes this little cake, little muddy pie cake, you know. He takes his spittle, saliva, and he mixes it in the dirt. Does that remind y'all of anything? Out of the dust of the earth, what happened? God created man. And, I, and this should not be lost on the interpreter. God wants us to be reminded that just as God the Father created everything, the Son has that kind of power. He has come in the flesh. Almighty God, second person of the triune God. Thank you, Matt Worrell, for that Trinitarian prayer you prayed a minute ago. Did y'all hear that? Yahweh, Father, and Son, and Holy Spirit. Good job, Deacon. Good job. And he said to him, Go. And wash in the pool of Siloam. Now watch this. John is wanting to make sure that you and I understand what the pool of Siloam, what the word Siloam means. In fact, parenthetically, he states, oh, by the way, that means sent. Okay? Don't miss that. 
See, there's a purpose going on here. There's a statement going on here. Jesus is being sent by the Father. John 20, 21, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. Don't miss that. So he went and he washed, and lo and behold, he came back seeing. Therefore, the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind, they said, is this not he? who sat and begged. Some say, this is he. Others said, he is like him. And praise the Lord, he said, it's me. I am he. I am the one that was blind, and praise God, now I see. Therefore they said to him, how were your eyes open? He answered and said, a man called Jesus. Mm. A man named Yeshua. He made clay. He anointed my eyes. And he said to me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And so I did. I washed my eyeballs and I came back and I received my sight. Then they said to him, where is he? And he said, I don't, I don't know. I don't rightly know. And what I want you to get out of verses 1 through 12 is that Jesus takes the initiative to do all of these things. He's the one that saw the man, right? He's the one that spit on the ground. He's the one that anointed his eyes with that dirt and saliva. Jesus is the one telling him, go and wash. All of these things are the divine directive of the Son of God. He's taken the initiative. It's kind of like last week when we looked at the parable of the Good Samaritan. The Samaritan took the initiative to help the man. Church family, Great Hills, if we don't take initiative, then nothing's going to get done. If we don't go out of our way to obey God and do what God tells us to do, then it will just fall by the wayside. But some of you are looking at me like, yeah, but we got hundreds of people here. We'll let those people go sign up there in those ministry fair, and I'll tell you what I'll do, Brother Danny. I'll pray for them. <laughs> we don't need your prayers. We need your involvement. We need you to get out there, sign up, and go and serve. Listen, when we serve God, take the initiative, get off our blessed assurance, and get out there and meet people's needs. I mean, God gets excited about that. God fills us. He encourages us when we say, okay, I'm going to get up. I'm going to take the initiative just like my Savior. Went, uh, Tuesday night, no, Tuesday, I was in uh, Dallas to go to see our son's one graduated from Dallas Baptist University, and the other one's still a student there. And so Ashley and I went up, and we, we, we visited them, and we went to chapel. Because there was a guest speaker there that I wanted to hear speak. I wanted to hear him so bad, I drove up three hours to hear him and Shane and Shane the night before. But anyhow, I'm listening to Mark Batterson, who wrote the book, The Circle Maker. Anybody recall that? You remember that book? He's a New York Times best-selling author. He pastors a church in Washington, D.C., called... Um, the Nar Arlington National Community Church. Just a few weeks ago, we were out there. We went to Ebenezer's Coffee Shop. They say it's the best coffee shop in all of Washington, D.C., and it's right in the middle of the hubbub of D.C., and they own that. The church owns that coffee shop. And I had no idea the pastor has his office at the top of that coffee shop. They own eight theaters, or I don't know if they own them, but they have worship in eight theaters in the metro area for people to have church. It's a great vision, great, great man. And so he's preaching about faith. And he says some very powerful things about faith. And his three points fit the man born blind so perfectly. And I'm just sitting here going, I know what I'm preaching on, you know, on, on Sunday, as Ashley's driving, you know, driving Brother Danny, I'm sitting in the back typing my sermon. 
Don't judge. Don't judge me, please. I'm just typing my sermon. She's driving. And then she drives back, and I type my Proverbs Bible study for Thursday morning. So I always, always got something going on. So it's exciting. Well, anyhow, here's his message. He said, when I was 19 years of age, I was uh, playing basketball for the University of Chicago on scholarship. He's tall. He's a really tall guy. And he said, for 19 years, I invited Jesus to come and follow me. <laughs> come be my buddy. Come do what I need to do. He said, but at the age of 19, I got it right, and I began to follow him. Okay? I walked into the admissions office, and I gave him my scholarship back. And I said, I'm no longer going to be a student here. I'm no longer going to play basketball. God's called me. God's called me to preach, and so I'm going to go to Bible school. And that's what he did. It's funny, while in Bible school, he, he said, I wrote a paper on church planting. I made an A on the paper. I graduated, went out, and planted a church, and it died. He said it was just terrible. He said, but I didn't get discouraged because I knew God was leading me in this. And he said, faith is willing to be foolish in order to do what God wants you to do. That was his first point. That's powerful. Having real faith, you're willing to so put yourself out there that you would look foolish. I mean, people look at him and say, you left a scholarship to pay and you're going to do what? University of Chicago, arguably one of the top five universities in the entire nation, and you could have gotten a free education. Have you lost your mind? Sir, I'm going to spit, and I'm going to rub it in your eyes, and you're going to see. What? That guy could have went, get away from me. Who are I don't know. I don't know who you are, but what are you saying? Spit and rolling in my eye. Well, what is this? He said, no, I'm going to do it. I'm willing to look foolish. Can y'all I'm, 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 stay with me just a minute? This guy's got muddy spit in his eye, and he's walking down the pool of Salon. Here you go. He's looking for the pool. Somebody maybe is helping him. Faith. The second point in his sermon, which I thought was, was really interesting. Man, I'm just way ahead of my notes. I know that's good news for y'all. This is good. He said, you got to be willing to take the first step when God has not shown you the second step. <laughs> you got to be willing to step out there, take the first step, even though God has not shown you the whole plan. Then the third one, he said, true faith always has to replace our fear, has replaced our fear. So I was thinking about that blind man. He's walking down to the pool. He looks foolish, but he's taking that step of faith. And he's probably been down on that pool a million times, and nothing's ever happened. But, but he's willing, okay? He's willing, and he is obedient, and he goes. He overcomes those fears, and you know what happens. You just read it. He came back, scene. Okay, act two, scene two, the interrogation. Let, let's read the verses. I'll make not, not as many comments on this one because this is a lengthy passage of Scripture, and then we'll get on into the intervention. So here's the interrogation, verse 13. Then they said, then they brought him formally, who was blind, they brought him to the Pharisees. Just, ugh, just go ahead and go, oop, not going to be good. Whenever those guys enter into the picture with Jesus, it turns sour, bitter. And it was a Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also asked him again, and they said, who received his sight, and they said to him, he put clay on my eyes, and, and I washed, and I see. 
And therefore some of the Pharisees said, um, excuse me, this man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. Is that not, not one of the most ridiculous things you've ever heard in your life? He healed a man born with congenital blindness, but he's not from God because he didn't observe our rules and our interpretation of it. Others said, how can a man, he said, how can a, or the other people said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among the Pharisees. One camp says he's a sinner. The other camp is going, wait a minute, guys. I mean, the guy has been healed, or has he? Or has he? So they began to interrogate him. They said to the blind man, what do you say about him? Because he opened your eyes. And the man said, he's, he's a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight. And so the Pharisees called the guy's parents. I know they didn't text him. I know they didn't use a phone call. I, 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 they, they went and found the parents of, of the guy who had received his sight. And they asked him, is this your son? Now watch the sarcasm, guys. Church, watch this. Who you say, you said he was born blind. How then does he now? See, they're interrogating the parents because they're wanting the parents to admit this is all a charade. This is all fake and phony. There's no way he was born blind and now he sees through a man named Jesus. It's absolutely impossible. So they are interrogating the very parents. His parents answered them and said, well, 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 we know that this is our son and that he was indeed born blind, but by what means he now sees? We don't know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He is of age. Ask him. He will speak for himself. They did this because they feared the Jews. Okay? Don't you know they know? <laughs> hey, what if your son was just healed of blind? Do you think you would, do you think you would know who it was? But they're fearful because the Jews had agreed already that if anybody confessed that Jesus was Christ, he would be kicked out of the synagogue. You, you feel this interrogation just dripping off the pages of Scripture? They are interrogating the man. They're interrogating other people in the community who do not follow their legalistic laws. They're going to interrogate a Jesus when they begin to just defame him and, and just bring him down. And therefore his parents said, he is of age, ask him. That's why they said that, because they feared. So they again called the man who was blind, and they said to him, give God the glory. And by the way, that is a Hebrew oath. That is not, let's all come together and praise the Lord. That's not it at all. It's an oath. It's almost equivalent to put your hand on the Bible and swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me God. That's what that's about. That's not... A change of heart. Let's just, let's just praise the Lord. It's not that. Not that at all. Give God the glory. We know that this man, Jesus, is a sinner. Ooh. Here we are. Verse 25. This is a text God gave me when I wrote this cross, uh, five crosses sharing the gospel. Cross number four is your personal testimony. And John 9, 25 is the verse I'm asking you to memorize. And it says... Whether he's a sinner or not, I just don't know. And this is the part I want you to memorize. One thing I do know, though I was blind, <laughs> I see. Isn't that good? That's his personal testimony, by the way. That's his story. And all of us who are followers of Christ have the identical story. Say, so, wait a minute, Pastor, I disagree. I've, I've, I've got 20-20 vision. I have all my life. 
It's not what I'm talking about. I once was blind in darkness and sin and depraved and living my life the way I wanted to live it. And I, was, I would even say, Jesus, you follow me. But not anymore. Since I understand who Jesus is, I understand who I am, I understood what he did, his work on the cross, I opened my heart, I opened my mind, my eyes to him, and now I see. All right, verse 26. Then they said to him again, Well, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them. Now he's going to get testy with them, all right? This, this man born blind is, is pretty feisty. I told you already, and you don't want to listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciple? <laughs> Ooh, son. You, you're talking about infuriating them. The interrogators are about to get upset and angry. They reviled him. They abused him verbally is what that word means. And they said, you are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciple. Now, here's a thought I had in verse 28 when I was studying this. Why didn't the pastors rejoice with the man and search every highway and byway of the streets of Jerusalem to find the person who's responsible for this healing and get to know him and appreciate him and thank him? You know why they can't? Because religion blinds. Man-made religion, we think we've got it all together. We got our box We've got it all cornered, figured out, and nobody can get in, not even God. That's man's religion. And if you've got that kind of religion, you need to get rid of it, all right? If your religion makes you sarcastic and mean-spirited and angry and, and interrogating people and you're not fitting the mold, then, then you need to step out of that and say, Jesus, open my eyes so that I might see. They said, we know that God spoke to Moses. As for, come on now, watch this, this fellow. Y'all know who he's talking about? Anybody? He's talking about Jesus. With such disdain, this fellow, we, we don't even know where he is from. The man answered and said to them, why, my, 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 this is a marvelous thing, that you do not know where he is from. You know, he opened my eyes, and now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does God's will, he hears him since the world began. This is the blind man, formerly blind. He's preaching. He's got some preaching in him, all right? He's been changed, and, and he's, he can see, and, and he's wanting to get to know this Jesus person more, and now he's doing an apologetic. He's giving a defense for Christ, and he says, since the world began, it has been unheard of. That anybody opened the eyes of somebody born blind. If this man, do you hear the pathos now? Do you hear the rebuttal? Do you hear the remonstrance? Do you hear him reacting to the interrogation? He goes, if this man were not from God, he could not do this. And then they answered and they said to him, oh my word. You are completely born in your sins and are you teaching us? You catch that? Who, who are you, you uneducated, nitwit, knucklehead? Who, who are you to question us, the authorities from God himself? And, and you, so they kicked him out. <laughs> they gave him the boot of unholy fellowship. They excommunicated him, kicked him out 
of the temple. You can't worship anymore. You're not going to have anything to do with the, the Jewish faith anymore because you're giving some credence to the outlaw. They cast him out. Okay, this, this is the interrogation. And you, you get it. You feel it as you read the Word of God. By the way, when God does a work in your life, expect criticism. Yeah. I mean, how many Catholics have I seen come to faith in Jesus and they're like, I can't get baptized because my parents will kick me out. I can't follow through with, with my faith and join your church because I'm, I'm going to be persecuted if, if I do that. When God does a great work in your life, go ahead and, and expect persecution, expect hardship and trials. To me, that validates what God's done in your life. Okay? Interrogation. But let me move on. Here's the intervention, the intervention of God. Yeah, I don't know, church fam. This, this text is just, it's all over me. I, I've, just, I've just lived it now for a week, and I've just studied it and gone over and over and over it. And it's just like it's, I, I think if somebody were to squeeze me real hard, I'd just ooze John 9 right now. I, I, think, I, I think it's in my pores. I think it's just all over me. Somebody said really well in homiletics, they said, if, if the text doesn't do something in you, it's not going to do anything in them. I just want you all to know it did something in me. <laughs> it grabbed me this week. Now Jesus heard they cast him out. Here comes divine intervention. Jesus found him. Mercy. Jesus loves hurting people. Jesus loves to go and look for people who've been abused by religion. Jesus loves to go find those who are, who are struggling and they're trying to do the right thing. They just, just can't. They just can't stand up to the critics. They just can't do it on their own. And Jesus comes and he finds them. He finds us. Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. And he's about to save this guy's soul. He's already healed his eyes physically. Now he's about to open his eyes spiritually. Jesus found him and he said to him, do you believe in the Son of God? Time out. Time out. I was arguing or maybe witnessing maybe a better term with a Muslim a few days ago, a couple weeks ago. And he was all wrapped around this horn of Jesus is not the Son of God. He never claimed to be the Son of God. And I said, yes, he did. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten, help me, Son. Do you believe in the Son of God? And the man said, <laughs> this is awesome. He goes, who is He? Who is He, Lord, that I may believe in Him? I can't read this next verse without crying. Come on, church. What if you were blind all your life and somebody reminded you? Now you see. Jesus said, you see, it's me. It's me. It's the very person that's talking to you. I claim to be the Messiah, the Son of God, come in the flesh to do exactly. This is the only way I can do what I do. It's because I am who I am, and I've healed you. It's me who's talking with you. Verse 38, then he said, we believe, we sang it, right? We believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit. He's about to give this man some new 
life. And he said, I believe. You know, guys, if you're here today and your prayer number two, remember I was praying for you Friday night, 930. I'll tell you all about that. My dog and my wife watching the movie cry. I think Zila was even crying. It gets so emotional in there with Hallmark, all right? <laughs> Actually, I like Hallmark too. I just, I like Auburn and Arkansas better. Or, or whoever it was was playing that night. Whoever it was playing Friday night. Is that you? Are you meeting him? Are you meeting Jesus for the first time? You say, what do I need to do? How, how do I respond to all this? I feel all this... I feel something funny. I feel something tingly in me. And I feel like somebody's wanting to, I feel like somebody's wanting to do something good in me. I feel like my sins want to be re removed. And I feel like God is calling me to himself. Then believe. Just believe. But, but, but no, no, no. Believe. Through the sacred text, God has preserved it. Some of you want to argue. Some of you just like to argue, so let me argue with you for just a minute. I would believe. If the Son of God would stand right before me and heal my blind eyes, then I would believe. No, you would not. If you don't believe now, you wouldn't have believed back then. Come on now, we got an empty tomb, praise God. We got 2,000 years of church history, praise God. We got a holy canon, a scripture, a divine record, and we've got all of creation that shouts, He is real. So believe. Believe. Just say, Lord, I believe. And then he bows before Jesus and worships him. Now watch what Jesus does next. <laughs> there are some Pharisees, the supporting actresses and actors, excuse me, to the drama. They're watching. And Jesus said, for judgment I've come into this world that those who do not see they see. Those of you Pharisees that say you see, you're really blind. Then he goes on and explains. Some of the Pharisees were with him and they heard these words and they said, uh, excuse me, are we blind? Are you telling us that we are blind spiritually? Are you telling us we're not going to go to heaven? Are you telling us that our good religion is not, if, I, if we dismiss you, and you're telling us we're still okay if we don't believe in you? And Jesus said, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But you say, well, we see, therefore your sin remains. What Jesus is saying is, if you don't believe in me, and yet you say you do see God, and you do have religion, and you do on your way to heaven, but if you don't believe in me, that I'm standing right before you, then you're blind and your sin remains. Wow. Verse 42, I think, or 41, that's it? Okay. So what's going on here? That's the thing about Jesus, guys. He, he don't mess around. He tells the truth. As hard as the truth is to hear, he tells it anyhow. And he tells the Pharisees who are standing around that day, he goes, guys, you say you see but in actuality, you're blind. Because if you, if you really saw and see me, you would believe in me. And it made me think of a couple of verses. Let, let me get these to you. John 3, very powerful, 17 and 18. For this, okay, that's, can you all find that one? John 3. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Okay, now watch this. This is John 9, 41 all over again. 
He who believes in Him is not condemned. He, can I translate it this way? He who believes in the Son of God can see. But he who does not believe, even though they think they see, they're condemned already because they did not believe in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So if you're here today and you say, well, I respectfully disagree. Jesus was a prophet. Jesus was a good man. I, I give it that he did some good deeds. But if that's as far as it goes, I'm not going to see you anymore. When I die and when you die, we're going to go to totally different places. So I'm imploring you, I'm inviting you to humble yourself. Lay aside your pride. Invite the Son of God into your life. Listen, guys, I'm telling you, I'm just like a beggar who's found bread, and I'm, I'm trying to help you find bread. And if you would just take him in, ingest him through belief, through trust, your eyes would be open. Remember what faith is. Faith is willingness to look foolish in order to find the favor of God. But I'm a sophisticated attorney. Or I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a fine medical doctor. And people who do what I do, they're not those people of faith. You know, I've got a reputation to keep. Listen, to, let me tell you something, friend. What does it profit if you gain the whole world? But you lose your eternal soul. So let me implore you, let me invite you to come to God today. And just say, I, I believe. I just believe. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it is life to our flesh, Lord. It is health to our bones. It is medicine to our soul. Lord, your word you have preserved, it is absolutely amazing. And God, as I've read this over and over this week, and now as I've preached it, I'm, I'm even more impressed, Lord, with you. I didn't think I could get more impressed. But Jesus, you, you're just amazing. You tell the truth. And you allow people to disagree, to debate it, but it's still the truth. Lord, I'm praying for my people. Lord, I'm praying for this church that those, Lord, wrapped in the hot blanket of religion would strip it off. And they would walk, Lord, to the, to the Son of God in just simple childlike faith and belief. Help them see, Lord, as you helped me see, that religion, Bible study, baptism, church membership, giving, even fasting, none of that, none of that earns God's favor. It's simple, childlike faith, a humility that expresses itself in good works for the Father. Lord, would you show them that? Lord, I'm, Lord, I'm at a loss. I can't, I can't do it. Lord, I can't, I can't open their eyes like you did. I can't make, I, I can't, but Lord, you can. Lord, I pray that everybody here today would do some holy inspection and make sure that we know you. Make sure, Lord, we are on our way to heaven with you. And I pray for others that are here today. God, I pray they experienced you afresh and anew in the Word of God. Lord, help them see that there is no pain, there's no hurt, there's no difficulty that is too big for you, that, God, you can reach them. I love that passage, Jesus, when you said, and I found him. And God wants to find you. He, he's coming for you. That tingling feeling, that, that kind of weird sensation, that heart palpitation, that thought like, all of that, just, it's just amalgamating. It's all coming together. It's the convicting work of the Spirit of God. And all I ask you to do, sir, all I ask you to do, ma'am, is believe, trust, Trust in Jesus right now. 
So, Lord God, thank you for our invitation. Thank you we get to invite people to come to faith in you. Thank you, Lord, for the many people that joined our church last week. Lord, I pray that many more would come and join today. They want to be in a place, God. In a place, God, where you are the center attraction. God, you are on display. You are the one that's being worshipped. And you have given us a holy book that we can study it and it can change our lives. Would you draw all those people here, Lord, that need to be here? And God, those that you have drawn, would you bless them? Lord, help them get out in the ministry mall. Lord, maybe they're so upset and maybe they're thinking about going to another church because they're not, they're not serving. And they're not getting plugged in, God. <laughs> Lord, would you help them? Help them see, Lord, that it is a beautiful thing to be a part of a church and to serve and to get plugged in. God, help us all to be doing good deeds, God, that you called us to. And Lord, as I've been praying hard this last week, I'm just keep praying. I'm just keep praying for our church, Lord, that you would do miracles upon miracles. And Lord, it would begin. It would begin right now, right here, Lord, with lives being changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand. We'll sing song of invitation. We'll have pastors and some counselors and people up front that can pray with you, that can encourage you. If you need some help in your walk with God, come. Let us help you. If, you, if you're one of those that, like me, when I was 19, you just said, hey, I give up. I give my life to Christ. I believe. Then you come. Let us encourage you today. God bless you.